Welcome to Layers of Film, the show where mediocre people discuss masterful films the first Monday of each month. I am your host, Austin Killian, joined by my co-host and sausage-fingered friend, Big T. <laughs> Big T, how are you doing? <laughs> Rude. What? It's a reference. I know. Um, it's <laughs> hot dogs. It's not sausages. Get it correct. Are hot dogs not considered a sausage? Is that not? I don't know. It's, it's the lowest. Dogs. It's the lowest form of sausage, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, I am doing great. Nice. I uh, found this new artist on Spotify. I really like. You may have heard of him. <laughs> Name's Finley House. Whoa, who's that? Got some that? good music out there. One one music. <laughs> one music. One music. Yeah. yeah, one music. No, no, no. I'll talk. I'll talk about that because I wanted to talk more. I want to know more about your life. Anything else? Um, going on? Life is going well. I work has been absolutely wild, but it's hopefully slowing down. And yeah. I got very ill last weekend because I worked too hard. My poor little body just couldn't take it. Aww. Um, yeah. And got exploded with paint for a birthday celebration. Yeah, there it is. Birthday, birthday boy. I texted wah, wah, you late. Wah. Sorry. Yeah, you it's rude. Way late. I saw your post about your birthday <laughs> and funny. getting excited about all or whatever, just like um, gloating about it. And then I was like, oh, Gloating. yeah, shoot. I totally forgot. It's okay. I'm busy. But that's exciting. What are you, yeah. like 45 or something now? Pretty much. I wish I'd be closer to retirement if I was that old. Would you? I feel like, isn't there retirement, like, people are retiring way later nowadays? Well, yeah, but I would be closer to retirement. Well, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> we're all we're all getting closer to retirement and death. Sometimes both happen at the exact just same time. <laughs> laundry and taxes for the rest yeah. of the world. Oh, dude, that's so good. Great, great How about great. you, Big A? How's it going? Big A. I don't, I don't think that works. Does it work? No. Okay. Life is good. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying life. I've been working. Yeah. So last time we did the show, I was talking about Finley House, like you mentioned earlier, music, all that stuff, and that all has officially started kicking off. Um, released a single called "A Little More Distracted." You can find it on Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff. Um, which is really interesting and cool. And I think I'm sitting at a, like 120 streams or something, which is not a lot at all. But it's cool. You I released on Sunday, right? Yeah, I released. Yeah, yeah, this past yeah, so Sunday. Been like four days. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying that that's like terrible or anything. It's just very cool. That uh, I don't know. It's like a bucket list thing. I have music up on spotify yeah. and, and apple music you know what I mean? Do you, does it give you stats of like where people are listening to it from and oh, yeah. how long they listen to it for and stuff like that well i'm using distro kid which is like an easy way to distribute your music and all that stuff um and the last few times i've tried checking to see where that might be it would actually no maybe distro kid doesn't really do that i do have like an apple or sorry uh, a spotify like artist page thing um let me look at that real fast that would be interesting to know let's see here music blah 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 oh 122 streams oh my mm-hmm. um 24 listeners i don't know what that what's the difference between the two location there's that tab 
countries. United States and Norway. <laughs> what? Oh, look at you getting international. You could put international music artist on your resume now. I'm just trying to think. It must be some friend of mine that's in Norway for some reason. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way it's just some random people. It could be people, people. one of our loyal Norwegian (laughs) listeners. Maybe. I love seeing Rexburg on the list. That's hilarious. What a small, lame town. Um, But obviously, that's family. I know family that are in Rexburg right now. Hey, it's cool. It's exciting. It's a bucket list thing. Uh, At the same time, I launched a Kickstarter uh, for a full album called the goodbye brother album that's the name of the kickstarter the album would be goodbye brother so the whole album this song and all this stuff it's all themed around like my brother's death and all that jazz and so all the all the different things emotions and events and whatever that i've experienced over the past few years and so i wanted to roll it all into one album and i've been sitting on this music for a while so i decided to really attack it and i thought hey kickstarter would be nice to maybe get some funding so that I can get better equipment because as you could probably hear from the song, it doesn't sound as good as all the other songs. I thought it was uh, beautiful and wonderful and so crisp. the quality. Crisp? Okay. Well, I did my best, but I feel like I could probably make it better. So that's kind of the point of the Kickstarter. If you guys want to support me over there, the Goodbye Brother album, you could search that on Kickstarter and all that jazz. When does your uh, Spotify check roll in? I don't I don't know how any of that works to be honest. I really should read into that a little bit more. <laughs> but I think um, you get like 0.003 cents per listen. That sounds so good. <laughs> that's terrible. That's, I'm going to be rolling. Yeah, I know. That's so it's interesting because I feel like Yeah, it I mean it must make the most sense for Spotify. I don't know how much money they're losing or making or whatever off of anything, but I know a lot of bigger artists are like this whole streaming, like music streaming, like side of things that have come up in the past, you know, decade and a half or whatever. Yeah. Has really messed them up. (laughs) And really the only way to make music is, or sorry, to make money off of your music is to really go on. Like for indie artists, like this is nice or whatever, but for like bigger bands, like this doesn't really do anything. Yeah. probably the labels make all the money off of that anyway so like you have to go on tour like constantly and yeah so yeah we actually uh my wife and i and some friends went to a ray lamontaine concert recently oh yeah and um are you familiar with ray lamontaine no oh you should check him out it's got some really good like folksy but like low-key kind of like it's not like twangy folksy anyway it's really good um He's a really good artist, but he his opener um, said that she refused to sell merch at the venue because the venue took a 41% merch cut. So she was like, in order for us to be profitable on our merch here, we have to yeah. sell a t-shirt for like $60 for like a, for really small bands, you know, yeah, who don't right. have as much uh, quantity of sales. So yeah. she was like, I refuse to sell I refuse to do the merch deal here because it's just so bad for me and for you as like listeners. And um, she like called them like called the venue out while she was on stage, and um, oh, wow. they like untagged her from the Instagram post about the concert because they didn't like wow. that. But she got applauses from the audience because that's it's crazy. good to see artist transparency. Yeah, I don't know. I I just I was listening to a podcast and that person had gone to a concert and saying like um 
they were out of the t-shirt that they wanted at the concert and it was you know it was going to be like super overpriced because that's how they make the bulk of their money and then they ended up finding it online anyway for like half off or whatever right yeah it's yeah, yeah because they have to jack up their prices because they have to pay the venue yeah so that's why it's usually better to buy directly from the artist because they get more of the money but well it, wouldn't you think that they get the same cut it's just the the buyer probably ends up you know like having to pay way more money i think it probably depends on the artist some artists if they know they're going to sell a lot of merch they can probably keep their prices pretty similar as off venue sales right but okay yeah i don't know interesting anyway buy merch buy merch yeah i actually there's a band that i've uh listened to since as far as i can remember uh called chevelle i don't know i might have tried to show I feel like I've, to you. you've had me listen to them. They're harder. They're harder. So, you know, they're like, they're like on the doorstep of Screamo, you know, but not quite. He's I screams. have a friend who's trying to slowly introduce me into metal. Nice. Hey, there's some really cool metal. There's, there is actually. I have, yeah. I liked all the pirate themed songs. What? I don't know what that is. <laughs> They're like death metal, but it's like sea shanties, but oh. metal. <laughs> That's so weird. There's I don't really do metal a lot of the time. Are you just making that up? No, I'm dead oh. serious. You started laughing like you must No, be because it's funny. Up. It's like uh it's like maritime based uh yeah. maritime based metal. <laughs> okay. I'll pull up the album right now. I'll probably skip out on that. Um, don't do it. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's my scene. Alestorm, Alestorm, that's the band. Oh, that sounds about right. I sh- <laughs> we, we probably could have guessed that. Um, no, there's a, there's another band called Era. That's probably the hardest I go as, cause I don't like pure Screamo. It's just like, I don't, I don't. Why listen to Screamo when your life is constantly Screamo? <laughs> yeah. In your, in your head. But unless you're on whatever. Rock whatever. world. What? No, like the medication. Um. <laughs> <laughs> quiet, quiet the voices with a little bit of Lexapro. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But anyway, Era, if you ever, if you want to check them out, they might be your speed too, or like, you know, maybe the furthest that you'll go into Screamo, because there's some really cool guitar work. It's very technically like, I don't know, it's awesome. It's good stuff. Send it to me on Spotify. But yeah. Any, anyway, so I have I bought these tickets a long time ago before I lost my job for Chevelle, and uh, I I got this concert to go to on Sunday, so I'm really excited because I've never seen them, and I've really haven't been to very many concerts at all, like two or three, and so this will be super cool to hear. Actually, two or three Chevelle. No, you've only been to two or three like concerts. Concerts. And, that's shocking because you're just so obsessed my, with music. I know, isn't that so weird? It's just it was so hard for so long to in my head justify the amount of money that i was spending it's just like yeah ah, i don't know it's just so much money for a ticket but i decided it's like no i'm gonna go to this chevelle concert because at some point they're gonna be so out of their prime and like they're not gonna sound good anymore they're one of yeah. the few bands that i feel like they still sound pretty decent like foo fighters for example <laughs> he just sounds i mean he's i don't know he needs dave Grohl needs to work on his <laughs> he's still like a good showman but his voice is gone dude but um, anyway, so I'm pumped. I'm stoked. I'll report back. It's also yeah. October. Oh, well, for the show, it's October. That's true. Right? <laughs> Aren't you excited? Every, I feel like every single year you're like, "Ooh, spooky season's coming up." But you yeah, haven't mentioned spooky anything. season starts in September for me. So it's already been spooky season as of recording for like three weeks. I started, but 
Oh, it like officially starts for people in October. I get that. So yes, I'm very excited. We've already yeah. watched all of our spooky movies. I watched Hereditary. Did I tell you that? Yeah. Wait. Yeah. 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 You told me that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you liked it, right? Um, it wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. Right. Maybe it's, maybe it's the Lexapro, but but you liked um, it though, or no? Yeah, I liked a okay. lot of the like. Yeah, I liked it, I would say. It, it was different than what I was expecting, but I thought it was an enjoyable movie. Enjoyable? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like it's a piece a, of art. You there's know? some really enjoyable things going on in that movie. Yeah, the content's <laughs> not enjoyable, but like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's a good, enjoyable <laughs> piece of art to watch. But um, yeah. Yeah. that scene when the mom runs from like the corner. Dude. So good. Yeah. That's some good, yeah, that's some creepy stuff that goes on. Yeah, not nearly sure. as, like, jump scary. There's maybe yeah. only a couple of jump Yeah, it's a slow it's just, burn. It's just more of, like, cover your eyes moments of, like, whoa. Or maybe, yeah. like, cover your mouth, rather. It's just like, oh, I can't believe that just happened. I want to watch Midsummer now. I told you, yeah, I thought you were going to, I was hoping you would watch it before this because I wanted to get your high-level thoughts on it. I'm having another spooky movie night this weekend with some friends, so maybe we'll watch Midsummer. That one, it probably isn't, that's not going to be scary at all, but there's... Um, yeah, I've heard as far it's pretty, as I remember, like, gory at some points. It's really messed up. Like, there's yeah. some really questionable things going on. It's like a cult type of thing, so it's really cool. <laughs> I have some know? familiarity with cults, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's cool. I, I own that one, watched it. The beginning totally messed me up a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Midsummer? Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, the beginning was just, like, that put me in a shock for, like, 30 minutes straight, and I was still, yeah. like, I wasn't over it, but... That's funny. Anyway, I'm excited for you to watch that. Same production company as EEAAO, yeah? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Okay. This wait. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> like what are you talking about? Oh, yes, correct. Hey, we should get into the episode then. Let's get into the discussion. Of course, we're covering what was it again? EEAAO. <laughs> yeah, everything everywhere all at once. Uh, before we get into the discussion, though, of course, a little bit of housekeeping. You can rate and review the show on iTunes or whatever. iTunes? I don't know. if Apple Podcasts. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I don't know if anyone still uses that app. Your age is showing. Yeah. Actually, if you want to watch any of the movies and stuff on like on uh, on a Windows, like you still have to have iTunes, which is crazy. There's no Apple TV app My or dog is begging to come inside. Okay. I didn't even know that iTunes still existed. Yeah, you still have to have it. It's crazy. They need to get rid of it. Anyway, uh, but you can rate a review over there, Spotify, all that stuff. It helps with discoverability and getting the word out. Of course, share it with all your friends and family as well. Maybe there's a lot of film buffs. There's a lot of film podcasts out there, but ours is the best. If you haven't seen the film... Everything, everywhere, all at once, right? Every, every, yeah, yeah. I, I need to remember. Like, I switch it up in my brain sometimes. Uh, be aware that we will be diving right into spoilers. Like, we don't have a spoiler-free period at all. So, sometimes we even start discussing spoilers right in the beginning. So, continue at your own risk. Make sure to listen until the end of the show, where we will reveal next month's film. And you can write into layersoffilmpod at gmail.com to be part of the discussion. Now, big T. Do you have anything prepared for this little segment of ours that we could get into before the full discussion? I do. Yes. Hollywood, you rather. Finley House produced our music, so. Sure. Hey, uh, for the people that haven't 
um, heard Hollywood You Rather yet. Could you explain the rules for us? Of course, Austin. I would be more than happy to. (laughs) Thank you. In this segment, (laughs) um, yeah, so it's Would You Rather, but it's Hollywood-themed. So I give Austin two choices. One is from the movie that we watched for this month, and the other is from a different movie or TV show that Austin has to not only guess, but choose which one he would rather participate in. Austin, are you ready? Yes, I... I one of the things I would rather have hot dogs for fingers. Yes, I didn't ask that because I already asked uh, that in a previous. Oh yeah, oh, that's true. That's so I true. Did. Oh my goodness, that's hilarious. Yeah, that was a little. Uh, it was a little teasing. Easter egg yeah. for anybody who's an avid listener. Okay, these ones are super easy. At least I think they are. So yeah, if you don't get a hundred percent, you're gonna be ridiculed. Okay, Austin, Holly, would you rather... Five gallons of mayonnaise. I'm just kidding, go. Get sucked into a bagel or be snapped to death. What? What do you mean snapped to death? That's all you're getting. This is the only clue. I will give you further clues if you ask, but I'm... um. I had to make it a little bit difficult. That's all you're getting? That's the only clue? What do you mean? You haven't given a single clue. You just gave me the clue. No, no, no. That's what you're getting. If you need another clue for the movie, I can give you another clue, but capital S, snapped to death. Oh, um, Avengers? Yeah. Okay, all right. I'm just, well, because the death part, yeah, out of existence. You get vaporized. That would have been too much of a Yeah, 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 whatever. Eh, Bagel. (laughs) Bagel? It's more fun. Yeah, I agree. What would I you choose? Like, I feel like the bagel's more fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. It's just right. more of a unique way to go, you know? Yeah. Okay. Holly, would you rather have a raccoon control your body? Yes. Or have a slug-like creature control your body? Slug-like creature control your body? This is an old-school TV show based off of a beloved book series. A slug-like creature... I can give you the name of the slug-like creature if you need it. but Yeah, sure. What's that? It's called a yerk. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I have no idea. What is that? Animorphs. Oh, I never got into that. Well, you should. Straight up, I would check out those books from the library. I would never read them. I just like the cover art. And yeah, I, the covers I would, are pretty cool. I would maybe ch- check out like two or three at a time just so that I could like maybe look through the... <laughs> with the hopes that I would actually read it, but I never would. That's funny. The raccoon, for sure. Yeah, I agree. Especially because in the Animorphs universe, um, the slug-like creatures are evil and they control your body <laughs> against your will. So That's good to know. That would have yeah. been a useful piece of information, too. Well, you know what? I didn't That's ask. your fault for not reading more as a child. <laughs> I read but yes, I agree. A raccoon because they seemed so friendly. The raccoon and the chef, they were just it's such so good cute. friends. It was such a cute relationship. <laughs> it was. Dude, that part. Okay. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Last one. Holly, would you rather be a rock or be like God? Be a rock. Yeah? Yeah. Well, what movie is it from? Be like God. I don't know. Bruce Almighty or Correct. Evan yes. Almighty. I, yeah. oh, actually, no. That one's more Moses. Yeah, the Bruce Almighty, Almighty universe. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's actually true. Evan Almighty, that sucks for him, dude. He doesn't get to do anything. He just has to build. That's all he, he gets, gets to do. He yelled at. He doesn't have any real powers. Just animals flock to him, and he has to build a freaking <laughs> huge boat by It's called himself. a curse. That's, yeah, that's not good. 
Evan or Bruce Almighty much better. You know, I don't know. I feel like being a rock would be nice because then you don't have to think and do things. Exactly. But being God would be nice because then you could like rule the world. Yeah, but then there's the whole part where like he hears everyone's prayers and then he finally gets through all of the messages and then they all stack up again. <laughs> That's true. Which doesn't make any sense because he's on rea- in reality they would keep filing in as he's yeah. going along. Maybe but, it's know. like a it's like Outlook or whatever. What's the <laughs> what's the Apple email where it just like periodically updates? Oh, who knows? I don't know. Apple yeah. has an email thing? What do they do? What? It's like the app that they have on the iPhone. Oh, just mail. Yeah, that's just the right. mail app. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah but yeah. whenever I use the mail app, I always have to like refresh it, or else it won't send out emails. I disable the crap out of it. I don't even think I have that app installed anymore. It's I only have it installed because it's attached to like a burner email, <laughs> a, burner a burner email universe. account. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh man, that's such a disappointing thing. So I have Steam. This is totally off subject, right? But um, video game, whatever. PC gaming, Steam, and it's attached to this email that I don't use for anything else other than that, and I can't change it at all. Really? Actually, no. It's the username. There's something else I can't change at all. I can't remember. But the username I can't change at all. It's still the same username as that. It's like Pip's Pool Service. <laughs> it's like, I don't even, that's based off of um, an old Adam Sandler slash Ben Fraser movie. I can't remember. Was, oh, Airheads. That movie's hilarious. But anyway. I don't, but I'm just like tied to that username for Steam forever. And I have all these video games under that <laughs> username and it doesn't make any sense, but whatever. That's fine. There you go. Hollywood, you rather. We, wait, wait, wait. So did you end up choosing God or, or The Rock? What'd you end up choosing? I feel like, well, God's not real. So not, <laughs> um, okay. I feel like God like power. You know, I would, I would choose God first because. If it gets overwhelming, you're God. You can just turn yourself into a rock. <laughs> Everyone would be so disappointed. <laughs> no more prayers answered. Well, nice game. Um, There's just one thing that I didn't know, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Animorphs. It's super Animorphs. niche. Yeah. I feel like every single time you do this game, you have to have like one thing that hardly anyone will probably know the reference I to. Know, but that's good, though. That's yeah, good, though. Keeps you on your toes. People feel real special. Kids, nice. you should stay. Re- you should keep reading. Reading for suckers. <laughs> okay, housekeeping's out of the way. Holly, would you rather? Thank you so much. I was offended because I thought you were lumping. I thought you were lumping my wonderful Hollywood You Rather game into housekeeping, and I was personally <laughs> no. offended. Sorry. Well, I was just like going through my list of things that I have on here, and I was like, that one's out of the way. The game's done. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's officially introduce the film. Of course, <laughs> thirty again, minutes in. 30 minutes in, eh, 25, whatever. Uh, of course, again, I've already said this before, everything, everywhere, all at once. And you've, you've said it in multiple universes, too. Maybe. There's a potential that I wasn't able to say it. Although, somehow, rocks can talk in pinatas as well. It was released March 25th, uh, 2022. Uh, the synopsis is, a middle-aged Chinese immigrant is swept up into an insane adventure in which she alone can save existence by exploring other universes and connecting with the lives she could have led. Directed Aww. and written by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Composed by Son Lukes. I don't know, dude. I'm trying. Cinematography by Larkin Saple. And 
I decided to include this one because it was a standout to me, edited by Paul Rogers. Uh, big actors, Michelle Yeoh. Is that how you say it? Yeoh? Yeoh? I thought it was Yao. Yao? Probably. Stephanie Sue. Shu. Uh, Shu? Well, then the S and the H should be... Sw- I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, also, oh, dude, why... I should really look this stuff up before I start. K. Kui Kwan, I think. And Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> that was easy. Budget of 14.3 to $25 million. There's a range there. I don't know. It's a don't huge know. range. That is a huge range. Almost double. Box office earnings, $141.2 million. And you could watch it on Showtime or rent it by it, according to IMDb. Austin. What? What did you think of this film? You're on a roll, Big T. Another great pick, I think. It would be hilarious if you watched it for the second time you didn't like it. (laughs) No, I loved this movie just as much as I loved it the first time I watched it. I could believe it. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't sure about it in the first 10 to 15 minutes. For sure. For sure. Because it felt a little bit like it's, okay, this is going to be drastically different different as far as like the quality of what i'm about to say but it's almost like the relatively equivalent equivalent to like when i was a kid and i wanted to make a godzilla movie and so the buildings were cardboard boxes and that's the budget that i had you know what i mean and so at first with this film like when it's going through the steps of you know all the stuff written on the back of the divorce papers and she's trying to follow the steps in that irs meeting and she's like, oh, switch, switch your shoes. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like this is, I didn't see the budget yet at that point. I'm like, okay, yeah. like this is going to be some ridiculous, like they're like huge stretches that we got to make, you know, Yeah. In, in our head, like huge leaps to make it make sense, but just suspend your disbelief and just have fun. And man, that, that first 30 minutes or whatever, the budget, they must have kept that to about 30 bucks. And then they're just like, let's make, <laughs> let's movie. put all of the budget into the last like hour and a half or hour of this film. The costume the, design. The, dude. The, and like I said, I included the editor in the little yeah. film introduction. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. Like in my head, this must have taken about 10 years to I know, edit this film. I know, the editing is... I wonder how much, like, AI or, like, how much of the editing was technology-assisted. Hmm, interesting. But, um, I don't know. Yeah, the editing is, like... It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And, you, I mean, you can't give all the credit to the editing because, really, like, this entire film must have been scripted out to a T. You know For what I mean? Sure. Because... Because of the, the 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 cuts and all that stuff, yeah, the composition how they, of the shots and yeah, and how they lead into the next shot and all that stuff, like this must have been planned out. Like there's perfectly. there's no yeah. room for deviation whatsoever. So it's one of the movies where you can feel everyone's like love and dedication and compassion yes. to it, like behind the scenes because the post production is so stellar. Yeah, yeah, and I was I was again like the first fifteen minutes or so. I was ready to be like, wow, this movie probably got overhyped by a lot of people. Because when it came out, people were all over this film. Yeah, they were obsessed with it. I'm just like, I don't know. You know, this this is is cool. I like it. But the budget, like you could see the budget. But no, the budget, dude, it gets stretched as far as they could possibly get it. And they were really smart with their decisions, I think. Um, Also, like the music, perfect. And it's no surprise I decided to look it up. Um, like the directors it's like this duo that they pretty much do everything on but half 
or more of their filmography, like directing and all that stuff, is in music videos. So you could tell that Interesting. that's like you could see it. Like they have like probably thirty music videos under their belts. The directors. Yeah, the directors. And interesting. Like, that tracks like, because it feels like a music video ex- shot sometimes. Exactly. And like the 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 music again, like the 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 score is so good, but also perfectly like aligned with everything going on. Yeah, the visual the storytelling in combination yes. with the music is just like out of this world. I like doing this show with you because I have like the simple, like simple-minded way of saying things, and then you're actually able to articulate it correctly, <laughs> like the way that I sound in my head. But I can't say it. <laughs> um, no, 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 exactly. So it's just like I don't know if there's really, I don't know if there's anything that I could really critique on this film. Like it's, it's like there's barely anything wrong in my head with this film i think it's amazing from like start to finish very hectic something that i wanted to say and get but out it's there intentionally hectic right exactly like, yeah yeah it's all intentional because that's i mean we're seeing we're seeing everything like all the events going on basically through evelyn's eyes right so everything's hectic with her like especially and they set yeah, that so then we they set that rule right from the beginning so you know mm-hmm. she's just she's she's everywhere all at once you know like her her head's just everywhere like on all the different things um but wow shoot what did i want to say there is something i think it's one of my last notes that i made oh yeah yeah so this is not a film to me where it sucks to have to take notes on it while you're watching it because like i don't that like the pace is so fast I just can't keep up and I have to pause constantly because I definitely don't want to miss anything because it's going to be a visual spectacle probably. But this is also the pace is so insane and there's so much going on that at least in the experience of trying to take notes on a film, (laughs) it's the only film that I could think of where the action sequences were actually a breather for me. You know what I mean? (laughs) Which never happens. Like it just, it finally gave me a moment to like, process things and catch up yeah. and try to like yeah. take some notes real quick because I I don't need to see the action too much because it's like classic kung fu type of stuff you know what I mean yeah, like martial arts sure. blah, blah blah and so it's just like okay I've seen this plenty of times for a while one of my thoughts was just like this is a really weird indie interesting idea mixed with a classic Jackie Chan movie <laughs> you know what I mean let's bring mm-hmm. a Jackie Chan film but like actually have some meaning behind it and then it gets real deep as the film goes on like so yeah. deep with the daughter mother relationship and it's just like whoa this is way far beyond anything I would have ever thought it was and then like the grandpa comes in as well and then like the the husband and then like the girlfriend like it just yeah. everything builds on itself so beautifully dude it's crazy and I didn't have an opportunity to watch it a second time through, but I I made it like a half hour into the, like I was just trying to start it again today before, but I had a lot of other random things going on today. But um, yeah, there's there's a few things that I caught that are like really uh, expertly placed right at the beginning that it kind of foreshadow. But if you don't know the movie already, you probably don't really know it, right? Yeah, yeah, so, for sure. Very interesting. Anyway, I've been going on and on. What do you want to say about? The Give film? me one second. Can I go pee? Oh, no. He took off his earphones before I could ask him. I need to pee, folks. <laughs> Big T. What? I need to pee. <laughs> okay. 
I'll be right back. I was hoping that you were going to have to be gone for a little bit. <laughs> oh, no. I just was closing the door, but. Okay. Okay. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Mm, bye. Pretty sure your microphone just caught you peeing. Because I'm pretty sure I just heard your stream hitting the toilet water. You should keep that in. Did you just pee with the door open? Did you hear it? I did. That's awesome. <laughs> no way. Really? <laughs> It's the so acoustics. it's upstairs though. What? Maybe I heard your toilet flush. Maybe that's what it was. And like oh, the yeah. water, the water coming through the pipe maybe. Potentially. Let's hope so. That's if you could hear the whole thing. Did you hear any like start stopping at all? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. You can so that'll if you heard it that it picked up on this mic. I'll yeah. have to listen. This will be interesting to listen back. That's see. funny. Dude, that's awesome. You're recording, correctly? Correct? Yes, I am. Okay, recording. just making sure. I had an I had like a nightmare scenario that we just went a whole half hour through this That's podcast. Funny. Nope, I'm recording. Okay, give me your thoughts. Yes, I loved this movie just as much as the first time I watched it. Um, I just feel like there's so much that you can get from it. It's saying so many things while also just being a fun movie to watch. Like, even if you just want, like, a fun movie to watch, it's a fun movie to watch. But if you want something with, like, more heart and more meaning and more nuance, it's there as well. Uh, Watching it a second time, I feel like I picked up on more things. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I just, I love so many things about this. Like you said, like, the music is great. I love the camera work, especially during the action scenes. Like, I love the dust that people have on them when they, like, <laughs> hit the ground and stuff. And it's classic. Um, yeah, I just feel like, oh, it's just such a good movie. I love it for so many reasons. We'll, we'll talk about a bunch of different stuff. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, like, it just has so much heart. And I really, yeah. really, really appreciate that. I love... Again, like I, I probably didn't catch a lot of the things that were going on the first time because I was trying to take notes, press and pause, you know, everything's all over the place. And then the second time that I tried watching it today, half hour in, you know, I just noticed a couple of things that I didn't really think about at all, which is like really the black hole, like the the bagel, the everything bagel. And um, I love like at the beginning, Joy, her daughter, is like just staring into that washing machine and that's like foreshadowing the bagel really because all the clothes that are in the washing machine that are swirling around they're all black so it's just like the bagel and all that stuff and it's just like she's just staring you know the first time i watched it it just looked like a a girl who's super depressed just blankly staring off into something but Mm -hmm. then i don't know if she's thinking about the bagel of like oh i wonder if this (laughs) she's probably not thinking about the bagel yeah she's not jobo tupaki at that point but yeah but she's looking into a black hole a, a representation of a, like a black hole where she probably in that moment wishes that she just sucked into it and didn't exist anymore, right? Because yeah. that's what we get to later, which is super cool. And then the receipt, the receipt with that huge circle over it is also like that little visual representation, like that subtle detail of showing the black hole or the bagel. Yeah, I think that um, 
the like the theme of a circle is very very present throughout this movie mm, yeah clearly you have the everything bagel um which is like a black hole big black circle and that's represented in a lot of things like you mentioned the receipt and all these different yeah. things um but then you also have the googly eyes mm. which are circular yeah um and something that i kind of took away from this that i didn't really i remember th- thinking this when I watched it for the first time, but something that I kind of like remembered as I was watching it was like um, this idea that nothing matters. Right. And then you have Jobo Tupaki who's like, nothing matters. So screw everything. Nothing like everything sucks because nothing matters. Mm -hmm. And then you have kind of Raymond on the other end who's like, nothing matters. Let's just have fun. Like, let's yeah. just be lighthearted. Let's just be happy because nothing matters, you know? So yeah. I feel like you get those really, those are really represented in the, 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 the everything bagel, which is like, everything sucks. Life is horrible. And then you see that in the googly eyes where it's like, nothing matters, but like life can just be sort of fun and silly because nothing matters, you know? And yeah. then on top of that, you have the washing machines. And this was, someone commented this on Reddit. I don't know who, but I want to give credit sort of where credit is due but they talked about how the washing machines are also circular you know but those represent like the middle ground between everything's horrible and everything's silly where it's like the just mundaneness of life you know the laundry and taxes of the world like Mm, it's just it's like the daily drudgery that we have to do just to like get through the day you know so and then you have the circular mirrors and then you have like you just have a lot of circles here That's okay. That's the yeah. I wasn't even thinking about that. That's true. The you said um, you said one of the quotes or whatever from the film of like the laundry and taxes. You said that earlier. That was a good little. Sorry, I didn't pick up on that. Good job. Oh, that's funny that you didn't pick up on it. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. I don't know what's going on. Um, I told you before we started recording. I'm like a little off. I don't know what's going on. But uh, yes, yeah, yeah. The and then it's interesting to think about just like how she, Evelyn has like went through. Oh, yeah, she had to have done this in order to accomplish what she did with the same kind of thing that Joy had, uh, you know, to get to that whole perspective on the universe and life and all that stuff. She probably went through every single iteration of herself and came around all the way in a big circle of experience and all of these different experiences and still having that one singular drawback of her husband and her daughter. You know what I mean? Like those were the two, like the peeing her pants. Those were like the things that grounded her back into like what matter. Like there's maybe nothing matters except for like there's these two things that matter. And that's what really drives her a lot of the time of like why it's really her daughter. You know, her husband is there too, but really her daughter is like the thing that she ultimately wants to save. And she thinks that there's, she's the only one that she could, that can do it, which ultimately, yeah, is the truth. But um, it's also... It's also like the actions that she needs to take in order to save her daughter and the actions that she didn't take that it's like, you know what I mean? Like it just keeps going around and around where she finally like grounds it and focuses it and actually reminds me, sorry, I'm just like kind of going, I'm going around in circles, but it kind of reminds me of a note that I, I took and was thinking about in the film of like, what did I wrote it down? Joy says something specific or someone someone says something 
Oh yeah, yeah. When she's talking about that bagel, it's like one day I just I made a bagel with everything on it just because I was bored, and I wrote down a note: if everything is on a bagel, nothing stands out. Evelyn always put puts everything on herself, so it kind of changes a little bit. My perspective changes a little bit later, but Evelyn always puts everything on herself, so no one who matters to her stands out, and none of them feel like they mattered, which I think kind of leads to. Joy and why she just probably doesn't feel like anything matters. She doesn't matter. She doesn't feel special. Yeah. yeah. They feel like a burden to her, right? The husband even says that. Raymond even says that. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, in the scene, the alternate universe scene where he's like, um, you know, I, sometimes I think you're right. It would have been better if you hadn't married me. And she says, I've never said that. He's like, you don't have to say it. Like the way you look yeah. at me, you know, and the same for the daughter. They, yeah. they feel like because she does take everything. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why, but because she kind of takes everything on herself, she doesn't open herself up to them. She's not like vulnerable in a sense with them. Then they feel that sense of distance and isolation. Um, I yeah. want to go back to something you said though, because you talk about how um, Evelyn's, you know, her goal is to like save her daughter. And that that is true to an extent, but her driving motivation for the first part of the rising action is isn't to save her daughter, it's to defeat Jobutupaki. Yeah, sure. Um, and she says that multiple times, like, I'm going to defeat you, like I'm here to defeat you. And right. Evelyn in her mind, when that's her goal, she's making this distinction between Joy, her daughter, and Jobutupaki. Um, but Jobutupaki kind of eventually tells this to Evelyn when she's like, I am your daughter. Like, mm. there's no there's no defeating Jobutupaki without defeating Joy. Um, and I think that that's a really important distinction because you see this a lot um, with parents who are struggling to accept parts of their children that they don't understand or that don't fit with the values that they grew up with. So in this case, like mm. what's highlighted here mostly is Joy's um, relationship with her girlfriend, right? Being in a queer relationship. Yeah. Um, and Evelyn even says that at one point to Jobo Tupaki, she's like, you're the reason my daughter is gay or whatever. Right. Um, and I think that a lot of times parents who don't understand those components of their children they don't see those pieces as actually part of their children right like mm. um and so i'm not articulating this very well but like evelyn's desire to defeat jobotupaki because jobotupaki is putting joy in danger that's not correct because jobotupaki is her daughter it's not about defeating this part of joy that um evelyn sees as bad it's about saving her daughter wholly and completely. And you see that at the end of the movie when Evelyn saves Jobotupaki from the everything bagel, right? It's no longer about defeating her. It's about saving Joy, who she is fully, embracing and accepting Joy for all of those parts of herself. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's the fact that you said Joy like a billion times, it just it kind of reminds, or it's just like it's so obvious with her name, you know, that, really how she feels is the exact opposite of joy for sure in pretty much every single universe except for the very first one that we get a glimpse at at the very beginning of the film through the mirror where they're all just singing karaoke and and having a good time on the couch in their in their apartment and that's the only that's like the only universe we actually see where they're really happy every everything else 
uh, all the other universes, at least through Evelyn's point of view, like there's something that she's not happy about and that she's not like she could feel joy and happiness in that universe, but she just keeps herself from 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 feeling it. And then you kind of have joy as a character where even though even though like Evelyn is really dealing with everything I think in a lot of ways, like uh, Joy feels like everything's put on her. You know what I mean? Like, and, sure. and in a way, like Evelyn's actions reflect that she is putting everything on her. Like you're, like you said earlier, like a burden. Like she feels like she's like that one thing that's adding to everything that's just causing this whole, you know, distress in her mom and all that stuff. And so because of that, she can't feel joy. And so she's the exact opposite of what her name is supposed to mean. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or at least I don't. Is it spelt? I don't know. Maybe there's like some alternate meaning or alternative meaning or something like that. But I'm guessing it's supposed to be joy, isn't it? I would assume anyway that that was a purposeful thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like yeah. everything is intentional, you know, yeah. in this movie. So I think it definitely it serves as a, um, I always say this word, but like a juxtaposition, right? Yeah. Of her. Like her name is Joy, but she's like severely depressed. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, did you, is it, I wrote it down. It's Waymond, right? Not Raymond. Did you say Raymond? Um, I think it's Waymond. I don't know what I was saying. Waymond I had a Wayne. lisp. I had a I had a lisp as a kid. I couldn't pronounce my R's. So oh. um I might have been flashing back to uh No, it's no, that. you said Raymond, but yeah, it's, it's Waymond. I'm pretty sure his name is Waymond. Waymond. And then there's some yeah, dude. Waymond did Wong. you see Jamie yeah, Lee right. Curtis's name? Deidre uh, Deirdre, De- but look, like, did you see on the IMDb at least like her last name? Uh uh-uh. uh So it's like Deirdre Beadre. Be- <laughs> it's like the exact same Bea Beadre or stuff like that. Deirdre Beadre. Yeah, sure. Which I just thought was I don't know if there's any like meaning. The only thing that I could think of is like her last name. Like the first five letters are the same as the first five letters of beautiful. I don't know if that's supposed to mean anything. I don't know. Don't know. But just real fast, I know that we were getting into deep stuff, but this is real fast. Also, the characters, when I was trying to write down some of the characters that stood out, I guess, se- at, slash semi stood out, there's Rick, which is like that hick kind of guy, you know, in the laundromat at mm-hmm. the beginning. So I was writing his character name wrong because his character is actually Rick. I started writing it Rick down as his actor name because his actor name is Biff Whiff, and I couldn't believe it, dude. I was like, wait, hold on. What's wait, going wait, on? Wait, wait, the The real name of the individual is yes. Biff Whiff? Biff Whiff, and then his that character is his name is born just, name. That's his, at least, that's the name he goes by in Hollywood. I don't know. You Which know what I mean? is Biff Whiff. Biff Whiff, dude. That's his name in real life. And I totally thought, because there's like, Deidre Beodriadre or whatever. <laughs> You're like, oh, this is the... <laughs> it's like, oh, it's another like weird This is his name. character's name. <laughs> no, that's his name, dude. Anyway, sorry that's to make funny. fun of that, but I just thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> Biff Whiff. If he chose that name, that's awesome. I love it. Good for him. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's besides the point. I just thought that would be funny to point out for a second. Um, hey, I also wanted to point out something not deep. Again, the confetti death of the officer was just awesome. I thought that was yeah. so good. I love I, the whole fight scene. The whole fight scene. Yeah, that fight scene's great. Oh, dude, that's that was maybe one of the first times where I 
like the editing just really stood out because it's going it's so crisp there's a whole fight scene taking a place taking place through multiple different universes but not only that like there's so many movies that would change the camera angle when it goes into a different universe but in this film nope like the character is positioned the exact same position as the previous universe and just the surrounding or the con- the 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 costume is different or whatever you know what i mean mm-hmm. insane again like the planning like the the costume yeah. department like you know what i mean like everyone was just in on it in this film yeah if you haven't watched some yet you should go and look some of the like behind the scenes stuff about this um they have really cool ones about the practical effects that they used um yeah. so it's just yeah it's like a really fun <sighs> movie to see behind the scenes of that's crazy because with the budget that they have I, and they have some like michelle um yeah yeah and yeah jamie lee and Jamie Lee Curtis, like that's some maybe they those took huge pay cuts, but like I bet a lot of the budget was those two. You know what I mean? And so, mm-hmm. like it's pretty crazy that yeah, I'm sure the practical effects were like most of the film, right? Like I don't, I don't know. I've just seen lots of videos about the different types of kind kinds of practical effects, but it's crazy. The visuals yeah. are so good too. I especially so love good. because there's so much going on. There's a lot of color. There's a lot going on, and then. I love the bagel. It's just black and white, which is so cool because that's, I mean, it seems pretty smart to me because to me, I see the black, like the bagel's black, the entire, like the curtain and all, you know, the cathedral t- or whatever, you know, like the, the entire surrounding like um, area is just completely white. And so you see like that black and white and with Joy or Jobu Tubaki or right? Tubaki? Tubaki. Joe Tupaki. I think it's a P. Tupaki. Tupaki. I don't know. Tupac. And they are like, or the way that she sees the world is like a very black and white, like, no, nothing matters. Like, everything else sucks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so it's just like, I thought that that was a cool visual representation, if that's what they meant. I, I'm assuming so, of of that kind of like black and white theme i guess of how she sees the world and the universe and all that stuff yeah super cool one thing that i find so impressive about this movie is there is so much chaos not only on the screen but also in the characters lives um like even in the first 10 15 minutes you get a sense for all the chaos that evelyn is feeling around her and the sense of overwhelm um but somehow they're able to tell such a clean and like crisp narrative. Yes. And on top of that, they're doing it by weaving in at least three separate universes, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like that to me is so impressive. Like, because some movies struggle to even just have like a through line that's clear for one narrative right. and one story. But like the scene when Wayman and Evelyn are talking in the tax building, you have that narrative going on. Yeah. You have the narrative of um the them as like movie stars and like a really rich person or whatever. And then you have the um laundromat narrative going on and it doesn't feel like three separate narratives it feels like the same story which is so impressive to me i think it's smart the way that they laid it out too because it's probably easier to plan well okay like trying to take a step back and think about how they might have approached this you know in the writer's room basically Mm -hmm. and 
I would assume that they probably probably mapped out like 10 different universes all on the exact same timeline and what would have been happening in each universe at this specific time. So when they like come to it, like, okay, what would be happening in the pinata universe, you know, or the, the hot dog finger universe. Okay. How do we tie that into what's going on on this timeline and let's, you know, weave it in together and all that stuff. Like I'm sure that they probably must've had like just an insane amount of like weaving and interweaving of all these different things happening on the same timeline at the same time. And what, like to keep it all straight what you were um, what I was going to say at the very beginning of my whole point was to keep it all in the same time frame right like i feel like a lot of universe type of things or whatever they go off into a different universe and maybe they're like a kid version of themselves and all that stuff mm-hmm. but it's like it's all happening at the same time she's just jumping from body to body you know yeah. at that moment in time which is really cool and really smart and probably made it the planning was probably still crazy but that probably grounded it just a tad <laughs> so that they don't have yeah. to like, yeah, think of like all the different timelines and how maybe that's a 10 year younger version of them and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That would have been wild, dude. Yeah. It's just like the amount of like planning yes. put into this, you can see it and how well and how crisp the narrative is. Oh man. It's, it's incredible. I wanted, um, well, I mean, we should talk about the performances just in general though, because I feel like we could go on and on just praising, you know, over and over again, like the editing and the cinematography and all that stuff. But the performances specifically really stand out to me. And honestly, like, sure. it's so funny because Jamie Lee Curtis is such a big name and she's huge, you know, like as an actress and <laughs> like playing, I mean, her at the beginning, at least, this is what I thought as the movie goes on, her character gets slightly deeper and deeper and deeper but um, mm-hmm. at the beginning, I'm like, I love the idea that they got Jamie Lee Curtis, who's such a big name, yeah. to play one of the most average people on the planet. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. For sure. Like, she just seemed like such an average person. Honestly, kind of like below average. Yeah. Yeah. Which was just awesome. Because she's capable of so much as an actress <laughs> that yeah. to just reduce her or like to like, yeah, to, to ground her in such a just normal character is just such a funny choice to me. But then obviously as the movie goes on and my, my opinion changed on this because she gets a little bit deeper. And then obviously at some point there's, you know, an alternate universe where Evelyn and her are together. And so I thought that that was in the hot dog universe, no less like that's, (laughs) which is just awesome. Oh, it's so gross too. What's going on when they're eating each other's fingers, dude, big T what's going on with that? Don't think about it too hard. Because, like, ketchup and mustard comes out of their freaking fingers, dude. Or their mouths. I Is it really coming tell. out of their mouths? I was assuming that that was their blood. I don't know. It's horrible. It's terrifying. Dude. It's. I just don't think about it too much. And it's just, like, socially acceptable. It's just like, I love you. I'm going to yeah. eat your fingers now. <laughs> yeah, in front <laughs> of everyone. And Do yeah, they grow back? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's terrible. It's horrible. But it's also <laughs> oh, very shit. funny. My mind's wandering into like what men's genitalia yeah. might be. <laughs> it's like, what is that? Ugh, it's too much to think about. Don't think about it. You don't need to. Yeah, I don't need to. That's a weird universe, though. For sure. I really qu- quickly on like um, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Deidre, and um, Evelyn. It's so good. It's so smart um, to have 
like Clarity Lune just be a constant present, like kind of background part of the score at the beginning. And then later on, you see it in their, um, like in their love life in that alternate universe where like that's actually like a big part of their relationships, it seems like. Like she must play Clara de Lune and that's something that drives them back to, you know, yeah. that universe. And then just you hear it. And I thought it was an odd music choice. I'm like, I don't understand why this song is playing right now. It's so interesting, but it's sort of unsettling. It's really cool to have like such a beautiful piece going on with this action. It's really interesting to me. But then there's like an actual significance that they reveal later on, which I just thought was super cool. And it, it really only, and then you think for a second, oh yeah, this really only plays when, her character's on, you know? It's yeah. like really smart. Anyway, back to the performances, unless you want to speak to that. I got I got off again. No, I just like kind of talking about the performances and the like timelines and the narratives and stuff. One thing I find so fascinating about this movie is like its ability to play with time as a viewer, not just as like the the um, all at once aspect of the movie but like you have these long stretches of like action where they're fighting or when things are exploding or whatever it is and then it just like you feel it as a viewer where it suddenly like stops in a moment in time and then you have this incredibly intense dialogue and then she's pulled back into a fighting universe and then it speeds up really quickly you know right. and I think it's done so well like you're she's fighting Deirdre and then she jumps into the universe where she and Wayman are having that really intense conversation in the van and then she's pulled back to fighting Deirdre and then it slows down and you know in a different part like she and Wayman are having a really intense conversation when she's like a famous like actress or whatever or when she tells Wayman during the fight with Deirdre like I saw my life without you and it was beautiful you know and it's like the ability for them to like interweave these incredibly like heartbreaking or emotional moments between characters in between these like kind of comically absurd action scenes and you're not like this is really confusing and I feel like it doesn't really like make sense and it doesn't really know where it wants to go but you like feel all of those emotions like somehow it just works and it's so like amazing to me no it's ingenious dude that that part broke my heart a little bit for Wayman you know it's just like I saw my life without you and it's beautiful it's like oh my yeah. god why would you say that Evelyn <laughs> like I know. Sure, that might be true but you don't say that out loud jeez dude yeah. That was yeah. I felt so bad for him because he's that was that was one of my early notes because um, you see it right at the beginning where she looks at the TV and she sees like the dancing at the laundromat and she's like you know being swept away into this alternate universe that she'd rather be in you know where she might have that you know incredible love or whatever between this person where it's so romantic and blah 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 and and then you see like she's just. She's not focused properly. You know what I mean? She's she's seeking something that's not even actually there in real life to fill that void in her head of what she wants to have happen when all she needed to do was turn around and see her husband, see Wayman dancing with some random redneck guy. It's yeah. like he I I wrote it down like he could be that for you, dude. I don't but you're not taking yeah. advantage of it. I don't understand what's going on in your head where like He's putting googly eyes on everything. He sees, and yeah, so getting to to something specific that I wrote, um, her husband can see, I I 
I couldn't keep track of his name quite yet because there's so much going on. Her yeah. husband can see the bright side in everything. She has to experience the bright side to see the bright side. And I was just like, that's so, cause she does, like she had to experience it to actually understand it. Whereas like her husband, and they kind of explain that later, Wayman could, he could just, and that's his weapon, right? Or like that's his, uh, that's the way he fights. Yeah, that's it's his just, like defense. Yeah, the way he fights. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he could see the bright side. He could just turn a crappy situation into anything. Whereas like her, it's just like, no, I need, I wanted, I wanted that whole extravagant life or whatever, but I didn't get a chance to do that. I wanted to be a singer. Yeah, she's living in the what ifs, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. She has to, she's just like the type of person that she can't see it unless she's experiencing it. And I also think she's the kind of person that's living in, like, what would my life be like if I didn't do all of these different things? You know? Yeah, right. Which is yeah. very integral to her character. I mean, Alpha Wayman even says that to her at one point. He says, you know, you're the ideal Evelyn because you are the worst version of her, meaning you failed at everything that you've tried. So you're the you have the strongest connection to all these different versions of Evelyn because which I think is beautiful, like because a lot of people I mean, obviously, that's offensive to be like you're the worst version of her. But also this idea of like even being the worst version of yourself has like meaning the least successful has benefit and like even that person can save the world like and if that person can save the world like everyone has value yeah i wrote down that exact you're capable of anything because you're so bad at everything that made me laugh out loud when i heard that yeah that was such a good line (laughs) that's it's true though it's like because she doesn't have that focus or whatever, she's yeah, she can just tap into anything that she really wants because it's what she's always imagined. And it probably makes her, yeah, like the ideal candidate because she goes right to imagining it because that's all she's ever been able to do. Yeah. Which can get her into the shoes of whatever she wants in the moment to get kung fu skills or cooking skills or whatever, you know. Kung, which is pinky really cool. kung fu. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's that's true. I think that's really cool. I also wanted to talk about um uh Stephanie Shu I wanted her performance like it's pretty um pretty normal or whatever it's like it's a good performance but nothing stand out until the end when she has you know that emotional scene out by her car um you know on like the yeah 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 years. she's just like what a powerful performance I was like oh wow you're capable of a lot like it's Oh crazy. that's funny I I loved her as Jobu Tupaki No like, yeah for sure and her ability to like so easily jump between like depressed joy and like Jobu Tupaki with just the tilt of a head or like the yeah, flick true. of an eyebrow, you know, I feel like that's so impressive. It's subtle, but I I thought her performance was like phenomenal. I don't think that she won an Oscar for this. And I think a lot of people were like really, really upset about it because people were like, she has one of the best performances in this movie. Yeah. Well, okay. Just just to be clear, like it's like the first fifteen minutes where like things are just getting set up. I mean, honestly, we just haven't had enough time with the characters for any of the performances really to stand out in maybe the first fifteen or twenty minutes because it's just like okay, there's like the you know there's the depressed daughter, you know, not a great relationship with her mom character. She's given that performance. It's not standing yeah. out right now, but it's I get yeah yeah but Joe yeah yeah Joe Tupaki Tupaki. Um, it doesn't matter. It just sounds Helga Pataki. That's a Hey Arnold reference. Anyway, she <laughs> Jojo Chewbacca. 
<laughs> oh yeah, that's right, dude. Yeah, what I should have written down all all of the different iterations that Evelyn has of that name, which is hilarious. It's all over, and then Rakakuni or whatever. That's yeah, Rakakuni. So I love that, dude. That's so good. That whole we'll get to it probably. That whole <laughs> that whole thing is awesome. But yeah, no, yes, but uh, her her version of that is like awesome. Reminds me a lot of Promising Young Woman with. Um, that character of just like totally flipping that switch and mm-hmm. um, just total baddie, which is awesome. She did a no, no, she did a really good job. But yeah, that that scene by the car when she's getting really emotional and just like I just you know I just don't want to feel it feel it anymore or like whatever yeah. she says like it's just heartbreaking and especially like as a father just and like listening listening to that it's just like oh man it's so heartbreaking like to hear and the idea of hearing that from my own daughter would be just like the worst just like oh man like what did i do (laughs) like i need to fix this now because i can't believe that you're feeling this way like i have to fix this um yeah yeah very very good performance yeah she she should have won an oscar for sure and then k hui kwan hui kwan dude so good which is so weird because he's known as like Data in the Goonies from back Goonies, in the day, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the Indiana Jones kid, I can't remember, but his character's name. But like that's pretty much all he's got under his belt. And then he's just out of Hollywood, basically. Well, out of acting in Hollywood, I'm pretty sure he kept like he stayed on as like a stuntman and like a choreog like a stunt choreographer oh, or whatever in Hollywood. But he just like stopped acting and then comes back for this film. And, and it's just he does like a great job. How do you I do think he wins an Oscar, job? right? Did he? Oh, I yeah. Think so. I, think I think he, did, he yeah. Michelle, and Jamie Lynn all won Oscars. Or he, Jamie he, Lee, I mean. I would assume he won because, like, if it was, if it would have been between him and Stephanie, like, I'm sure it's probably, like, well, he hasn't been in all, like, it's such a cool story to have him win because he yeah. was out of acting for so long. You know, maybe that's, maybe that's was an influence. I have no idea how any of that kind of stuff works. But it, it is really impressive, though, because, like, what is he? He must be acting in his home, just like pretending to get all these lines to keep these skills up for all this long, or he's just a natural at it. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Especially and even the, like. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, especially the part where he's like so sad that everyone's fighting and he's just like so. And he gets stabbed or something. I think that mm-hmm. happened. Oh, yeah. The disbelief when he gets stabbed by his own wife is just like, dude, like. It's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And it's just like, like you could see the sadness in his eyes, the. The, the stress of everything that's going on he has no idea what's going on i think he even says that and it's just like oh man how where did this guy get all these acting skills that he could just keep it up for all oh it's incredible yeah. or like just the way like when they're in the elevator to the in the irs building and like there's wayman and then he oh, like yeah. drops his head and then it's alpha wayman <laughs> yeah. just like the way his posture changes you're like this is a different person you yeah, know yeah. and it's yeah. like Nothing changed about him, but he's able to embody these two very different versions of Wayman. Like, that's very impressive. It is impressive. And then it probably speaks to the directors as well, because, I mean, you can get some great actors Mm -hmm. in a film, but with a crappy director, they just aren't able to pull it out. If you've ever seen, like, a commercial with an actor, like... You know, they're not pulling out a great performance in that commercial, you know, because no Oscar winning no. performances in a Toyota commercial. <laughs> yeah, right. They just don't care, especially like promotional. Dude, quick aside. Have you noticed in like promotional uh, commercials for for or like ads for like people's like all these different actors like movies? And they're like, hey, 
go see Aquaman in theaters. This, you know, they have a dead face. They don't even care. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're like only there for the paycheck. <laughs> exactly. It's so ridiculous. But like, um, you know, you have someone like him who hasn't been in, really an actor in, in decades. And um, like, there's a natural ability for sure. And then his ability to take direction, that's also a big part of acting, I'm sure. But the directors yeah. must have been a great job, done a great job, like, like they must have been able to give him everything he needed to pull out that performance, which is just awesome. Congrats to everyone all around. It's true. What did you think of the fake ending? Oh yeah. Well, I had been checking like periodically to see how much time I was at or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember. I might've been waiting for something to happen in real life. I can't remember. But, um, and so I knew that there was still an hour to go. So I was like, Oh, this isn't real. I can't remember. Yeah. What was the fake ending? Where did that end at? Um, it's when, I think when Evelyn is on the ground and Stephanie shoe or, and then, um, Joe, Joe Butupaki is like, has defeated it and has defeated her pretty much. And then she like walks oh, yeah. away and then it's like the end. And then I was like, that, that would be a gutsy end, but that would be a short. For sure. That's like well. a sequel end too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which would be crazy. But, um, I thought it was cool. I thought it was funny in a way. I'm just like, cause I already knew that there was more. So I wasn't like yeah. super shocked, but um, I thought that, that was a really interesting, you don't see movies do that really at all. I don't think. Right. Yeah. Not really. No, no one really not does really that. like mainstream movies. No, I was surprised. Did you see um, in t- uh, the second Spider-Verse movie? No, dude. That movie ended on a major cliffhanger. And I just, in the theaters, I was just like, we, there has like, to be more. yeah, I'm just like, well, I, I had a feeling that it was going to end right there because it was just like, we've been here for like two hours now. Like we, like the rest of the conclusion was probably going to take at least 20 minutes. They're not going to keep kids in here for another 20 minutes. So is it yeah. really going to cut off here? And it did. And I'm like, wow, that's such a gutsy move because you're definitely expecting people to have to come see yeah you have to give them some sort of satisfaction you know or they just get mad yeah it's the lost effect anyway so it was like an interesting thing to like that's the only other example that i could think of where you know there's a major cliffhanger and i'm like that would be a gutsy move but if we've only been here for about an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half there's got to be more half of the movie still yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Anyway. But I love how they incorporated it into um, they incorporated it into the movie, right? It wasn't just like a ha ha, just kidding. This isn't a fake ending, right? right. It was like, um, like it, it was a scene from the credits of the famous actress, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Evelyn, which I thought was really cool. It's it's reminding me of all these TikToks that keep showing up, like let him cook, let him cook, and then. Um, like people are obsessed these days with like making crazy transitions, like dropping salt, but then it ends up being fish like in an ocean. I don't know, whatever people doing like these clever camera transition tricks and all that stuff. And so it was kind of that moment where she's cause she, yeah, that's right. Because her character that in that universe is technically dead. No, which or just knocked unconscious. What happened exactly? Was she dead? Evelyn? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the universe in which she was taken in the black and white thing, right? And she was dead there. Oh, I'm forgetting the no, timeline. No, the Kung Fu Evelyn. I think that universe is safe because yeah. Joy didn't exist. Therefore, Jobu Tupaki couldn't exist in that universe. 
Sure. Oh, man. I don't know. I'm like having a hard time keeping track of that. I can't remember exactly. No, because that's the Kung Fu universe. Oh, was. Oh, okay. It's the Kung Fu universe. Oh, <laughs> that's nice. Look at that. Okay. Wait, is it? Because then it's the movie and she's the Kung Fu star. What do you mean? Are you asking about what happens to the Evelyn in the universe where, where... she dies? She dies, right? Evelyn dies? Wh- Evelyn and then, dies. And then the movie ends, quote unquote. Oh, ends. I don't think Evelyn. Oh, I guess like, yeah, she like sort of dies. She yeah. Sort and of then dies. She, she wakes back up. Right. And then yeah. she. Okay. She wakes back up. Okay. I just can't remember. Yeah. Because exactly she, she like gets up and people are like, oh, they're like, don't understand. But yeah, it's she's alive in that universe at the end. Okay. Because that's gotcha. the universe where she pulls her out of the. Okay. Out of the donut. <laughs> okay. The bagel, the bagel. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah. I love I love that the bagel's just like black because it has everything on it. So naturally, like it would be, you know, like where you put all the colors together, it just ends up making black, right? Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the the way the bagel would turn out. Whoa, what was that? You okay? My phone. Whoa. I dropped my phone. Getting a little aggressive over there. I know. Um, oh God, I just have so many, like, all of my, the rest of my notes are like, Praising here's like a the theme, here's a lesson, oh. here's something you can extract from it. Like, that's all that I have here. Well, take me through um, some. So one thing I really like that we experience when Joy and Wayman are going to the IRS building towards the beginning of the movie is like Wayman, Alpha Wayman is like, this, I have a very important mission. Like it's to save all these universes, you know, like this is so important. And and then um, Evelyn is like, I have to do my taxes. Like, yeah, I don't have right. time. I, I don't have time for this. I have to do my taxes, you know? Yeah. And Wayman's like very visibly frustrated. He's like, your taxes don't matter. But right. like, I really like this, that sort of representation of how um, all of these things that in the long run don't matter. Like your taxes don't matter. But yeah. like, those are the things that we have to spend all of our time on. And like, how can we focus on great important things when our life is just overwhelmed by all of like the mundane tasks we have to do. Right. Yeah. Um, and I really like that. And I think especially too for, um, like immigrant families or low income households, like that is very much a very prevalent theme. I mean, we see that with Evelyn, she has all of these great dreams and aspirations, but we're sort of implying from the the storyline that they buy this laundromat and then, third 20 30 years later evelyn's still in the laundromat you know it's like she right. never moved on from that because she was always just like keeping afloat like she wasn't able to like progress she was just sort of keeping pace with life so i just really like that representation of like how um it's very difficult to there's a lot more that impedes us from doing great and wonderful things if we just have the everyday mundaneness of the world like drowning us yeah dude that totally that totally tracks in my life so many yeah. things that i want to do just can't quite do it because i got to worry about a job or what well not right now mm-hmm. but you have to you know pay I mean? bills and you have to file your taxes and you have to pay for car insurance and you have to get your license renewed like dude, you know yeah. you can't do any of the things that you want to do or the things that would be super important to you because and, and evelyn sort of talks about this when uh 
Deirdre is sort of like going off on all the schedule C's or threes that they have to fill out or whatever. And right. Evelyn's like, you trick us, you know, like with tax liability or yeah. whatever. She's like, you just keep us in this like cycle, the circle of like never being able to leave this task of doing taxes because there's always something new that we didn't know about beforehand. And, you know, we always have to come back here and do this. So like the sense of like repetition and never ending mundanity is just which is a new word that I just made up. But um, nice. like, I just feel like they just do a really good job of like making you feel that sense of frustration and overwhelm. Yeah. Well, there's a specific thing in the movie that I I kind of, I just can't quite make sense of um, like the ultimate purpose of what it is. But you know, when Wayman's like, like, haven't you noticed like, like food doesn't taste the same and this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and all the while you're wondering how can we get back? And they both say at the same time, what is the significance of that line? How can we get back? Is there like, what's the, what's the theme? What's the message that the, you know, the writers and the directors are trying to, to share with us? Cause I can't think of exactly what they're trying to teach us or, or show us with that line. Um, well, you know that the lines preceding that are, from a lyrics, it? right? Oh, what? What is it? Yeah, yeah. It's um, Story of a Girl by Nine Days. Who cried a river and drowned the whole world? Like, what? what is this? Um, this is a story of a girl who cried a river yeah, and drowned the world. Yeah, your okay, clothes never wear as well the next day, and your hair never falls in quite the same way. What? Wayman quotes that the lyrics from that. Yeah, <laughs> Are you yeah, serious? Yeah. That's awesome. I didn't know this. Yeah, but um, anyway, I just wanted to... It's kind of like a fun little Easter egg because he's yeah. just like literally quoting the lyrics from that song. Yeah. But um, I think he's talking about getting back to like, uh, well, I, I think there's a lot of different ways that they could okay. be talking about it. I think that for like Evelyn and Wayman, it's like getting back. Well, for Wayman, it's like getting back to a place where like we loved each other and we mm. loved being married to each other. Um, I think for Evelyn, it's just sort of like getting back to a place where I'm not where I don't hate my life kind of, or I'm not disappointed yeah. by my life. But I think for the wider audience, like especially nowadays, I mean, Wayman talks about like institutions are failing and like everything's sort of going really crazy. Like this sense of like, I mean, just think of like pre pandemic or pre the 2016 election, like life seemed for the most part and for like non-marginalized communities, you know, like mainstream communities, life had been pretty similar for the past, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years or whatever. Like, yeah. obviously, there was, like, the market crash and there was, like, the dot-com bubble burst or whatever. But, like, I, at, at least for me, and maybe this is just because I kind of came into adulthood, like, um, a few years before 2016, you know? But it's, like, um, the world just feels like it's going crazy, you know? You have, like, all of the... Everything's falling apart, it feels like. Yeah. And then, I, so that to me is kind of what he's talking about. It's just like getting back to the sense of like stability where the, you're not flying around everywhere and having to process so much new information of everything falling apart. Okay. Yeah. I just wasn't, yeah, I wasn't sure if there was like this ultimate message. Do you feel like there's an ultimate message that they're trying to share at the end of this film or no? Or is it just I mean, more of like, I we want to tell this story of these three people and where they end up? No, I think that there are so many messages. Yeah, sure. There's not just one. I mean, I would if I had to take away one overarching message, 
it would probably be from Wayman's speech when he says, be kind, especially when we don't know what's going on. Mm, yeah. Like, yeah. I think that that's the overarching message. And then you kind of trickle that down into familial relationships, class status, um, immigration, immigrant communities and families, uh, work relationships to some degree. Like, to me, that is like the overarching message. And you see that when Evelyn, instead of like beating up the people to get to her daughter, she's like making them happy, right? Right. Going going back to what she has observed in all the different universes, knowing exactly what they need to, yeah, yeah find some kind of fulfilled. peace or happy, yeah, happy moment. The perfume, the the wedding, the dominatrix stuff, the yeah, <laughs> or whatever's going on. Ah, oh, dude, the saliva going down his mouth when that was <laughs> that made me laugh though when that happened. I was like, oh my goodness, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like too that. The kindnesses that Evelyn is showing to these people, they're not huge kindnesses. It's not like, you know, a million, not a million, like a billion dollars or whatever, or like bringing a loved one back from the dead. Like, they're just really small kindnesses that if you sit and you observe people in your immediate vicinity or like your immediate life, you, you get to know those people. You know what makes them happy. You know what brings them joy in their life. And it's usually really small things, you know, like bringing someone a treat that they really like or... Like, you know, going on a walk with a really good friend. Like, they're not these huge things. There's really small things that we can do to just, like, help the people around us survive in this crazy, mundane world of laundry and taxes and also a devastating everything bagel. Yeah. Oh, man. No, I think I think I agree with you. I was just trying to think of, like, what would the big theme would or what would the big theme be in this film? And I think that is, it, again, like you said, there's like a billion different messages that you could pull out. But um, yeah, I think I think that's like the biggest one that, I, yeah, if I were to pick one that maybe the, the, the writers were really trying to get across, just like in order to get back to some kind of sane life where you're just not bombarded with all these, you know, annoying, pesky little things, pesky, whatever, and just yeah. feeling overwhelmed with all the things going on. Even though that's just kind of an inevitability of life, like you got to be kind, even though you don't know what's going on. Especially when you don't. Especially when you don't know what's going on. Yeah, because that's when we're the most fearful. That's when we're the most reactive. Is when we don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um. So, um, I wanted to ask you, like, obviously, feel free to get as personal or not personal as you want, but like, how do you? Clearly, joy is dealing with some form of depression, right? How do you feel like this body or how do you feel like this movie does um, sort of embodying and um, visually representing depression for in your in your opinion? Oh, man, I think it's I think it's pretty spot on. um, There's definitely because there's the there's the moment like I, you know, was praising her performance later on by the car towards the end of the film. When she's like, I just want it all to stop or something. I can't remember the exact words that she says, but, you know, it's super heartbreaking to hear. And um, matched with, like, her perfect performance for it. But, um, you know, the idea of the everything bagel just being able to finally stop it all so she doesn't have to think about it or feel it anymore. And um, there's definitely been moments in my life, probably even in the last year or so, where it's just like, man, because... I don't know. Like I'm, I'm 
hesitant to say this because I don't know how anyone else would like react to this or whatever. But like the idea of like suicide, I've never been suicidal, right? But there's yeah. definitely been moments in my life where it's like, man, I could really go. And there's actually going to be a song about this in my album. But I could, I could really go for an asteroid hitting the Earth right now and just yeah. stopping me from having to feel all of this now. <laughs> yeah, it's you like know? I don't want to kill myself, but I would yeah. be okay like not existing. Right yeah, now. that would be nice right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I could totally well, I could totally like relate to the the everything bagel, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, as someone who has, you know, I've had my own issues with like depression and mental health stuff. One yeah. thing that I really really appreciate about this movie is like a lot of people who don't have never experienced depression or any sort of like issue tangential or similar to depression is like a lot of times people think like oh this horrible thing happens in your life and you get depressed like you know like your spouse dies or you like lose your job or a child you know passes away or whatever it is like a lot of times people think that there has to be this like really devastating um, event that occurs to sort of put you into a depression which does happen and can happen but one thing I really really like about this is Joy slash Jobo Tupaki's depression is like not any specific traumatic event or experience. Um, it's like she's simply overwhelmed by life, but she also acknowledges that nothing matters in life. She's like, life isn't important. None of these things matter. Yet she's overwhelmed by that. And I feel like when I've ever had hard like mental health moments in my life that is sort of like the type of depression that I've had where it's like I feel very much like I'm overwhelmed by like having to go to work and having to pay bills and having to like do all this stuff but at the same time I'm like this doesn't matter so it's almost like a double whammy because you're so overwhelmed that you're like paralyzed but also like you acknowledge that none of this really matters, which is also really depressing in and of itself. So I yeah. just really appreciate that perspective that you get on like mental health and depression that you don't really get. It's a very nuanced view of it, I would say, that you don't really get in a lot of other media. I think um, a huge part of it, too, that I really connect with the most and I think is really profound and maybe people would look past it is the whole idea that Joe would. Tupaki doesn't Tupaki doesn't want to kill her. I think she says that in the film. She just was in search of someone to, or like to feel how she feels, which I think is a huge part of depression. I for me specifically, if I'm feeling like if I'm in the thick of it, man, I don't want anyone to try to fix it. Le yep. Leave me alone. Like I don't want you to try to fix it, fix me, whatever. I need to experience this and I need to get through it. And then eventually like I'll come out on the other side, you know, just fine um, ish or whatever, or maybe really good. Who knows, you know, how it'll end up shaking out. But really the only thing that comforts me is to just know that there's people out there, whether they're actually interacting with me or not, that f have felt or feel the exact same way that I do. Cause at least I'm yeah. not alone you know, in my feelings, which is how Joy, even when she's not like Jobu Tupaki, like she just, cause like Becky, 
she doesn't feel the way that she does. So she kind of, even though she has like this this happy person, and they kind of explore that later on. Yeah, she's like very eager and optimistic. Yeah, and optimistic about life. It's it doesn't give her the comfort that she needs because she needs someone to feel the way that she she feels yeah. in order to feel like she's not alone. Because ultimately, it's because of everyone not feeling that way that she does feel alone. And so I think yeah. that that's super accurate, which is really cool no i i even think i can't remember if it's evelyn or joy but one of them kind of talks about that where um we're just looking for people who can be with us in our feelings we're not looking for people to like fix the problem yeah and this is something i don't know if you had this experience you and i have very um similar upbringings and cultural backgrounds and um you know one thing that that community often talked about was like comforting those who stand in need of comfort. Um, and so often in the community that we grew up in, um, there's like toxic positivity where it's like all these horrible things are happening and people are like, well, just like look on the bright side or like just cheer up or like, oh, well, count your blessings, you know? And it's like yeah. those, that's not what I'm looking for. Like it's no. not going to help me in my misery and in my woe when you just tell me like, Oh, but look how great these other things are. Like I need someone to just like comfort me when by just like being with me and acknowledging like this sucks, this is really hard. Like I am just going to be like, sit here with you, with your feelings. Um, and kind of also going back to what you said, I love this, the way that this plays out in the movie where, um, Joy voices to Evelyn what she wants. Um, She tells her, you know, like, I brought you here. I showed you the everything bagel because I wanted to see if there was a different way. I wanted to Mm, see if you saw something in this nothingness that I saw. And that is when um, I think that is when Evelyn wakes up that like dead version of her wakes up in the tax building. Um, And she and Wayman do that. They show joy that there is something in here. And I really, really love that because that is like really the first time in this movie where joy has been vulnerable and joy has voiced what she wants to her parents, to Evelyn. And it's not explicit, but Evelyn then meets her daughter's need. And I think that it's just really, really powerful, at least for me as a viewer, where in this family relationship where so much is going unsaid between this daughter and this mother that finally when the daughter has the courage to and the vulnerability to voice what she wants the mother can like rise up to those expectations and be that thing for her Mm -hmm. um and then wayman gives his speech about being kind and whatnot but i just i loved that the way that that plays out in this movie no yeah i think it's good i think yeah very Man, it's so crazy. I think the only other notable movie that I noticed from these guys is like the Swiss Army Man. I haven't seen that. I really, I do want to watch it. It's Daniel Radcliffe's in it. Um, but it's kind of crazy to get such a touching and like such a well thought out film from guys who don't really have like this huge background in film, yeah. in music videos. And it's just, I mean, maybe in a way like that's like that kind of background, the the kind of emotional connection that you can get through a song, you know, and how deep that can get you, like hit you sometimes. I wonder if that really played into their ability to really hit you in the feels with this, with this film. I don't know. It's so good. Yeah. Cause that's 
kind of something I wanted to mention too, like you sort of talked about this, like you don't need someone to fix your problem or your feelings. You just need someone to like be with them, you know, to just kind of like someone who has also experienced those things. Yeah. We, I mean, I would say that that's a central tenet to the relationship between Joy and Evelyn, because like I mentioned earlier, her, her first goal with Joba Tupaki is to defeat her. Um, she sees Joy as this problem to be fixed, right? If I defeat Joba Tupaki, then I'm going to fix your depression. I'm going to fix the daughter who's um, gay and the daughter who's getting tattoos and the daughter who never calls me. And um, Evelyn is sort of seeing like the version that of her daughter that she wants her daughter to be like that there's this right version or correct version of her daughter that doesn't include any of those bad or hard or difficult to understand things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Evelyn, after seeing the everything bagel, she switches from trying to fix a problem to just trying to relate to and be with her daughter. It's like she needs to fix herself because something that's when she's like, being so kind and or like fighting everyone with kindness you know and finding something from a different different universe that makes that enemy you know quote-unquote enemy like happy so they stop fighting um she's able to find something for everyone except for joy joy like she there's nothing in any other universe that might make joy happy and so it's like the only alternate or alternative is to for evelyn to fix herself you know, like I need to fix myself because I'm not giving her what she needs. And I, at least this is the way I interpret it, like a little bit is like, if, if she, if she can't find any joy in anything, um, and it probably stems from me putting everything, pushing her too hard, as they say in that one, you know, the alpha universe, I guess. Yeah. Um, like then I need to fix myself because I'm the one that's really causing the problem. And then once I yeah. do that, then well, and by fix fix herself, it's like I need to, I need to I well, it's like Evelyn needs to get herself out of her head too, so that because it's like there's this separation. Joy's in her head; she's all alone. Evelyn's in her head; she's all alone. Neither one of them are really, well, Joy's trying really hard to communicate with this with Evelyn, but Evelyn's just not hearing it. And so once she's able to get out of her head and to be kind and all that stuff, even though she doesn't know what's going on, which you have an early example of that in the film when she's going to go stop her from leaving the laundromat and then she's going to, Evelyn's going to say something to Joy, but then she says, you need to eat healthier. You're you're getting too fat or whatever. You know what I mean? And it's just like, yeah, you see, she wants to make that connection, but she, she doesn't know how. Yeah, which is so, and so she like where I think maybe she needed that perspective of every single universe, at least as it's shown in the film, in order to understand like I need to get out of my head and. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, I think it's in part she's so in her head because she is sort of at the beginning of this movie living in all these other possibilities because yeah, she's sure. thinking about the what ifs, 
Like yeah. her life has gone so terribly wrong and she's not able to connect with her daughter and be vulnerable with her daughter because she's not present with her daughter because she's always thinking about something else, whether that's the mm. laundry or whether that's the party or whether that's about her father or whether that's about the life that she could have lived if she hadn't married Wayman. Like yeah. Evelyn is never able to be present in just the moment and the life that she has now. And that is just making this huge obstacle for her relationship with Joy. So at the end of the movie, Evelyn has accepted like this life is my life and it there's no point in reminiscing or reflecting on all of these other alternate versions of the world because this is the life that I have now which I think is particularly beautiful because Evelyn knows that there are other universes that she could live in yeah. but she's acknowledging like that is not the point of life the point of life isn't to live in the what ifs it's to live in the what I have now Right, you know? which Wayman is capable of teaching her if she would just let him, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, that's, and yeah. then she teaches that to Joy. It's like, well, Joy, you have Becky. Like, Becky's going to be your Wayman, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I just, I think that that is really, really interesting. And I also really like um, the idea of, like, reaching your potential, because, I mean, it's very explicitly said that Jobu Tupaki has reached her full potential. Mm, right. But she's the villain here. Yeah. And then Evelyn has literally reached none of her potential, and she's the protagonist here. Yeah. So I love this question it brings up of, is reaching your full potential worth it? Is that a good thing? Interesting. You know? Because most people would say like, yeah, you want to reach your full potential. That's going to be your best life. That's going to be your best you, which is understandable. But I think through Evelyn's experience, we realize that if we focus too much on working or getting somewhere where we feel like we are reaching our full potential, we're never going to be living. We're never going to be present because we're always going to be thinking about like, what potential do I have that I haven't met yet? So I really like that it makes us ask that question. Is is it a bad thing to not reach your full potential? Right. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I would have to think about that some more. It's an interesting question. Yeah. The only, So I have two other things I want to talk about. Yes. So one thing, do you know what an inciting incident is in nope. narr narration, narrative plays, uh, stories? So I'm pretty, this could be incorrect. Our viewers can correct me. Our listeners can correct me if they want to. But the inciting incident is essentially the moment. Um, actually, you know what? I'm using this terminology incorrect. I'm not going to use any technical terms because I think this is incorrect. But okay. So okay. Um, the thing that kind of gets Evelyn started on her rising action towards fighting, confronting Jobu Tupaki is when she's in that one banker's office or whatever, and she's talking to her grand alpha grand, her alpha father. And Evelyn realizes I'm going to defeat Jobu Tupaki by becoming Jobu Tupaki. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, and then obviously we learn that she becomes like Jobu Tupaki, not to defeat her, but to like save her. Um, and I love that that is the sort of inciting moment for Evelyn because like I'm sure that you're very familiar with this as like a parent but like 
it's so important for parents to like meet the, their kids where they're at, right? Like I hear this a lot. It's like if your child is interested in board games, even if you hate board games and you just want to play baseball with your kid, like you should connect with your child through board games because you need to meet your child where they're at. Okay. Um, and I love that that is what Evelyn does here to eventually save her daughter is she makes the choice to meet her child where she's at. She right. makes the choice to become like her daughter because before that, she's forcing all of these things onto Joy. She's saying you need to eat healthier because you're getting fat. You need to call me more. You need to hide being in a gay relationship because it's going to kill your grandfather. But it's the the decision that Evelyn makes to become like her daughter, to meet her daughter where she's at is eventually the action that saves her daughter. Right. That's interesting. Well, yeah, 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 definitely. That's really cool. I, I totally agree with that. It's in some ways I I can't help but think like, well, she already is her daughter. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, it's like her father put everything on her and then all of that expectation you know, that you just can't really live up to because it's not realistic. And then she put all of these, everything on her daughter. And it's just like this vicious cycle that just keeps going on through the generations. And so it's like, so it's like in a way, to me, it's like, it's more of like realizing that she already, (laughs) she already is her daughter. She just hasn't really thought about it now. Like it hasn't been a reality to her yet because she's been living in the what ifs and all that stuff. And there's still potential in her mind, but in reality, like she's already been put under all this immense pressure that led her to not live the life that she wanted or where she feels like she's actually, you know, reaching fulfillment and um, reaching expectations that might be set by other people or her or whatever. And you get the exact same thing with Joy. Like everything's put on her. She's never going to be able to meet the expectations. It's just she potentially i mean just it's a different generation generation and so she doesn't she doesn't uh there's like a difference between joy and evelyn though in that in that subtle way because evelyn's like and really i'm only pulling this out of one line where she's like but we made sacred vows or whatever you know sacred um, commitments or something like that you know when wayman's when she finds out that wayman wanted to divorce her um whereas like joy comes from a different um generation where that's not like those types of like values or whatever like aren't as present anymore you know what i mean like ah, it's really hard to it's a different mindset different mindset different generation different mindset so it's it leads to more of a feeling of of feeling nothing or whatever feeling like it's never going to happen like there's no there's no way yeah. like there's nothing to fall back on i don't have a loyalty to where things are supposed to be like these older generations um and so i'm 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 just lost and i feel nothing i just want the whole world to swallow me up <laughs> yeah you know? no i think to that point like i think it's really interesting that we see Evelyn and her father have a very estranged relationship. And then um, Evelyn obviously doesn't want that kind of relationship with her daughter. But like you said, she's doing the same thing to her daughter that her father did to her. But she's not really seeing it because she's doing it in different ways. And more subtle. Um, Not so over. Yeah. 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 And I think that um, that's there's a really important message in here about intergenerational trauma. And I know um, particularly from... um, like for immigrant families, there's a lot of uh, 
expectations placed on children from parents and a lot of um like we see this with the dad who's like uh you know, if you turn your back on our fa- the family, the family's going to turn our back on you. And then the dad says, like, oh, you're a disappointment. You're, like, not my daughter anymore when the laundromat is, like, being repossessed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, obviously, I'm not going to talk much on, like, um, immigrant, like, migrant families and intergenerational trauma in that sense because that's not, like, my own experience with that. But I know, like, having listened to people who have had those experiences, um, that that is a very real thing that um, the relationship that you have with your parents is can be really strained at times because there's so many expectations. And especially like in a Western context, like the US, for example, we're a very individualistic community society where like you do whatever is best for you, like regardless of how it affects your family or whatever. But in a lot of like Eastern cultures um, and traditions, it's a very like collectivist approach where it's like, it doesn't matter what you as an individual want, it's what's best for the family or it's what's best for the business or whatever it is. Um, and I think we see that clash of values and mindsets like you were talking about where um, Joy wants to be this individual person who, you know, tells her grandfather that she has a girlfriend. But then Evelyn is sort of straddling that between like, I, I accept you being gay or being, it, you know, having a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. But also we can't really tell Gong Gong that. Um, so I think that there's definitely this component of just like uh, the intergenerational turmoil that families can experience um in this sense it's a it's a migrant family but um or in a chinese family but that can happen in any family really um and i just i really like how that's portrayed and gong gong is not a bad guy right he's not the villain here he is just a product of the society that he grew up in but it's when the family members are able to um be vulnerable with each other and like vocalize their needs um and also stand up for themselves evelyn stands up for herself and says like i'm okay with you being disappointed in me because I'm not disappointed in myself. Right. But anyway, I just thought that that's like a really important component to acknowledge as well. Dude. Yeah. So that, that whole thing or whatever just reminds me of just like having an, like I have a, I have like the personal belief. I don't think a lot of, well, no, maybe a lot of people feel this way, but like, just like, just understanding the, the, uh, what's the word? Like, basis oh that people come from the context i always say this all the time is just like just putting things into context for different people and um you know there's there's old people that are you know still racist fully racist or semi-racist and just like it's really hard to break out of that because i just don't think that they're ever going to break out of it so you just got to understand the context of like um they just grew up in a different time you just got to you know, you're never going to be able to change them. So just accept them for who they are as long as they're not like killing people. But you know what I mean? Like they're trying their best and racist. That's probably the most like extreme I'm talking about even less extreme forms of this, where it's just like, just understand that that's just, just understanding the context of where they came from. And it's, yeah, you're going to have a conflict of values across generations. And, and me personally, I just like choose to accept this, but it just reminded me of, um, just recently I was back at home and my grandma, my grandma, she saw my hair and she's like, Oh, 
like your girl haircut looks real good or whatever. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I just thought that was, I laughed and I thought it was funny. I'm just like, yeah. geez, grandma. <laughs> like in my head, I'm like, geez, dude. It's like, yeah. oh man, the the era that you come haircut. from is just wild. It's so funny. Yeah. You're, it, I mean, we're all products of our yeah. society and culture. It makes me, it makes me laugh though. Like, I just think it's funny yeah. because she's, you know, she still loves me. You know, she, it's not like she's disappointed in my girl haircut or whatever, but I just thought it was so yeah. It's just such a funny thing. And so anyway, just from that weird little personal experience, just relating it to this and just, um, you know, but in a really devastating way with uh, with Evelyn not um, giving Joy the proper word for girlfriend to, you know, be able to share this exciting part of her life or whatever with her with their granddad, grandfather. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's like a huge bummer. But yeah. And so you like see I could, Evelyn... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I just kind of see Evelyn's like idea of where where she's coming from, and it's just yeah, the fact that there's like this slow evolution through the generations of no, just <laughs> just say it. It's your life. Like just live it and let people know yeah. it. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. She's straddling her daughter's generation and her her dad's generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I th- I would definitely see this come into conflict when um, Evelyn confronts Gong Gong about this and. She essentially asks, like, I, like, she says to Gong Gong, like, I can't, because Gong Gong's asking her to kill Jobo Tupaki, you know, and uh, Evelyn's like, I can't sacrifice my daughter. I don't know how you did it so easily, you know. That really comes into play here because uh, her father explicitly shunned her, right? Like, our family is turning our back on you if you do this. And like you said, while Evelyn doesn't explicitly come out and say to Joy, like, if you don't meet my expectations, I'm going to shun you. I'm go- um, She is, in a sense, sacrificing her because Joy wants to be sucked into the bagel, you know? Like, yeah, right. So she's sacrificing her daughter um, in just in a different way, like you yeah. mentioned. And I just really think that that plays out really beautifully in this movie that we see, um, like, can you sacrifice your child for a greater good. And in this case, you know, it's saving the universe, but can you sacrifice who your child is to meet expectations of your culture? Like in certain religious communities, like can you sacrifice your child who is gay in order to like have what is considered like a correct family, you know, like this Mm -hmm. happens in so many different contexts. Um, Or can you sacrifice your child who um, has a different political view than you in order to, you know, be considered a certain political type of family or, or whatever it may be. Um, so I just really like that notion as well of like, are we sacrificing our children and who they are in order to do what we consider is a greater good, but in the end, all we're doing is harming our child. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I know that I've blathered on. I blather on all the time. You know that. I just love this movie, and there's so much I, I, I could just write so many papers about this movie because it's so good. <laughs> was that the last thing you wanted to touch on, or was there one more? Um, pretty much. The other thing, the other last theme is it's okay to be a mess. It's okay to not have your life in order. It's okay to be a big, sloppy, nasty mess. Because we're humans. Got that totally right. Fine. We're all stupid. And we're all doing our best with what we've got. And uh, Just sometimes... be kind, especially when you don't know what's going on got that right there's and be a rock there's a oh yeah dude sometimes sometimes just be a rock that's a dumb little question what universe was your favorite universe to watch to watch 
Yeah, 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 visually or whatever. I feel like the hot dog fingers world is pretty fun to watch, minus the part yeah. when they diddle each other's mouths and ketchup and mustard comes out. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, I just think that the hot dog fingers are so funny, especially when Evelyn has like limp wrists because she, <laughs> yeah, like. I don't understand why she could just switch out of that and not do it. <laughs> She's stuck in that for so long. Yeah, that's hilarious. You know, I feel like be a rock. That's like, you know, be a rock. Just stop thinking. Stop. Just be a rock. I actually really like the rock universe. My, it was my favorite. Know, it's so for, cute. For some reason, it was, yeah, it was very cute because she's like trying to have like this really it's cute touching. little yeah little daughter you know kind of playful moments with with joy and all that stuff in that universe and joy is just like running away for some reason yeah. it just makes me happy to see that one that was for some reason that was the most impactful universe even though it was just two rocks yeah which is like i think is such a strong testament to the director's abilities because they're saying so much with so little there's That's no dialogue true. spoken dialogue yeah spoken dialogue right but there's it's, no physical people what Joy says though is so I think that's really what's most impactful. It's like in this universe you just you're just a rock. There's no expectations. You don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. You're just a rock. And sometimes you just need to be a rock to get through parts of your life. <laughs> Got that right. And that's okay. There's like a couple of other things that I wanted to say that aren't deep at all, but like just yeah. um Oh yeah, paper cuts. What what the paper cut thing where it's oh, just like, that scene. Yeah, I oh, I love how it's just like, like paper cuts only happen when you're not trying. It's impossible. <laughs> like yeah, that makes yeah. that made me laugh out loud both times that I saw that part, and I just thought it was hilarious. Um, if we're talking about parts that we really liked, um, I love when in the hot dog universe when Deirdre is playing the piano for Evelyn and her foot has a cast. Yeah, like I just love the continuity because her character has a cast, and I just love that they put in. The cast, like it's just such a fun detail. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's awesome. Yeah. There's so many. I'm sure if we watch this movie like ten different times, because there's so much going on, there's no possible way that you could pick up on everything. Yeah. You know. So you got to watch it like at least twenty more times in order to pick up all the subtle details for sure. I wrote. I wrote in here like this entire movie was written and directed on one acid trip. And I just <laughs> really though. Like for it's like, hey, do we need some ideas? Okay, let's do some acid real fast and then we'll get some ideas for some visuals that we can put into this. <laughs> yeah. And it's not nonsense. It's yeah, perfect. I don't have anything else. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess the last thing I thought like the first notable moment or not notable, but the first thing that really impressed me with like the editing and the the visuals and all that stuff was when Joy is like, uh, like I, she must be in a nearby universe or something after she, she kills the wrong Evelyn. And then, you know, just like that visual, like, like angling of the head. Yeah. And then it switches the quote unquote channels of universes. Yeah, it's like a dial. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very clever. I loved it. And there's like one universe where she was about to get written, uh, uh, um, Ran over by a truck. Like, it's so fast. Like, it happens in an instant. Mm-hmm. But, like, she's about to die in that universe, which is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then also I did want to say, like, the... um. Oh, yeah, this is just a burner universe. How... You could just sacrifice yourself in that universe. You don't really care. I guess when yeah. you know that there's so many, maybe you don't mind as much. But it's just like, oh, it's just a burner universe anyway. Like, we're just, we'll die in this one, whatever. But there's multiple universes. Yeah, just it's a burner universe. That yeah, I also, love, I also love the fact that, like, this high-tech verse jumping is, like, based on 
Bluetooth technology. <laughs> like old school Bluetooth technology. That's that's true. We have to have two Bluetooth devices, one in each ear. Otherwise, it's not going to work. So I'm going to, yeah. after this call, I'm going to get my Beats, my PowerBeats Pro, and we're going to see. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was so funny. It just felt like, yeah, this is exactly what the alpha government would do. They would build this like high-tech device that's running on like Windows 95. Yeah. Cool little detail in this movie is that um like Wayman needs Wayman needs someone from the Alphaverse to tell him how to jump, you know, what actions to take. Yeah, right. But Evelyn doesn't. She it, she intuits it very naturally. Um well, she doesn't I don't think she knows what she's going to get out of it. She's like I'm just going to do something that I would never do right now, which is I why I think she no, she gets yeah. what she needs. Yeah. Well, oh man, I need to watch it again because I'm I need to figure out because the only reason she's able to figure out how Deidre, you know, like what she needs or whatever in order to be like happy in that moment to quote unquote defeat her, um, or at least to stop her from attacking her, is she needs to profess her love for her. No, she learns kung fu. I don't understand, dude. It's the weirdest stuff, dude. Because saying I love you leads her back to like the I love you universe. No. Ah, I gotta watch the movie like ten more times. No, dude. she she says I love you to Deirdre. She learns kung fu. Yeah, and then God, she so because of the hot dog universe, she realizes what Deirdre needs to like be happy. What she needs to do to yeah. be kind okay. to her, she right, needs to right, tell right. her that she's you know like valued beyond just being like an ice cold bitch or whatever she says. So there is no rhyme or reason to what they do. It's that's the whole point. It starts from there, and then it jumps. That's a smart. That's a smart way to that closes off a lot of like um plot holes plot yeah, yeah exactly it's like it's not it, that's why it doesn't make sense and whatever yeah. we just give them whatever sometimes you have to shove a trophy up your butt sometimes you have to eat chapstick to get kung fu powers i don't understand yeah, yeah. chapstick yeah yeah oh <sighs> i don't know wait hold on that's true. I know we're going long but we got to talk about the rakakuni rakakuni that was so like there's so many random things that go on in the movie, but for some reason that was just like so ridiculous so to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's a raccoon. Dude, it's so awesome. And then she like he um his legs give out and then she, she's like, You get on me, and then like she needs to control. It's ridiculous, dude. I love it. I know I love that they just lean into the absurdity though. It's so good. Which is yeah. Which is why I'm like, this whole movie was made on an acid or multiple acid <laughs> trips, dude. <laughs> it's like, it's the weirdest stuff. None of it makes sense, but it all, but they figured out how to make it all seamlessly work together. Yeah. Which and that's sense. what I love about this is like the, the movie, the theme of the movie is like making sense out of nothing and chaos. And then the movie does it. That's like the movie, the way it's filmed and produced. It also does that. It makes sense out of chaos. It's crazy. So I, I love how meta it is. Yeah, yeah. That's very smart. Yeah. All anyway, right. Glad you liked it. Loved it. Loved it. Gave it a 9 out of 10 on IMDb when it prompted me. So give it that. Give it that. Not as good as Interstellar, but whatever. <laughs> I think the most important thing that we could take away from this whole discussion is that there's a guy out there named Biff Whiff. And then, uh, so let's, <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. Thanks for the discussion, Big T. Thanks for the pick. Who knows? Might end up being the number one for season three. Oh, my goodness. Stay tuned throughout the episodes for our ultimate ranking. In some universe out there, it will be.
It might be. Is it better than The Godfather? It could be. I think it's a contender, that's for sure. Um, okay, with the discussion done and closed, we're going to move on to our final... Or I guess technically there's another, like, introducing the film for the next... But our, our final main segment called Fire Partner Critique. What a... What a name. It's so good. FPC. FPC. Okay, Big T, did you already write that? Oh, I guess for people that don't know this this game, Fire Partner Critique is a take on F. Mary Kill, where you choose a real, like the real person, like the actor or the composer or whatever, to either fire, partner with for future films because you just love them so much, or critique, which basically in my you know estimation is like someone who did a really good job, but man, there's just a few tweaks that could have made that per- per- perfect, right? Um, Big T, do you already do you already have answers? You're just gonna think of it on the yeah. spot. Give Both. me your get. Well, act. Maybe we'll take turns. So fire for the first one. What? Who did you choose? For fire, I chose the security guard. The first security guard that we meet. Oh. Um. Only because the bald one, only yeah. because I don't feel like he delivers dialogue very well. Okay. But I All love right. him in the action scenes. Oh, okay. Nice. Now, yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, that's probably why. I'm sure he was just like some kind of stunt guy. And then, yeah, like, well, he's probably, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, you have three yeah. lines, but he doesn't deliver them very well. That makes sense. I probably should have gone with that. I went with like the cop, the, his name's Anthony Molinari. I looked up his actual name. He's the police officer that turned into the confetti, but I felt like his delivery was whatever. And so I was like, I, I just, I actually really struggled with this one. The other two were like really easy for me. Well, I guess I kind of have a tie for a partner, but, but for fire, I'm like, man, there's so many great performances. I don't know who to choose. It's gotta be one of the security guys or (laughs) or one of the, one of the like supporting actors, even supporting, supporting, even Chad Rakikuni guy. Like even that guy, I loved his performance (laughs) because it's so ridiculous. All right. So we're kind of like, we're in the same, we're in the same camp on that one. Who do you choose for partner? Stephanie Shu. I was, that's my tie. It's either that or the editor, dude, Paul Rogers. Like, yeah. it's so hard for me because the Here's performance the thing, is so good. I think I would enjoy editing something. I would never be able to give a performance like Stephanie Shu gives. Interesting logic of, of why you arrived there. Because <laughs> well, if I'm going to partner with someone. Yeah, sure. I, oh, I, know, oh, I would rather be the editor of something than the actor. No way I could ever edit. I'd, not, I would, I'm not saying that I would ever be able to to do what he did, but I would prefer editing over acting. Sure. Okay. I don't know, man. For me, there's so many great actors out there, but I don't know if there's a single other person that can edit the way that Paul Rogers was able to edit yeah, this. I think you that know that's what I mean? Fair. That's fair. So I'll, I'll, just because you already said Stephanie, Stephanie Chu, I'll probably go Chu, with Paul yeah. Rogers. Rogers. Steve Rogers. Yeah. Paul Rogers. All right. Um, Stephanie Shu was in Joyride, and I just, she's I so funny that. in Joyride. That's a new I just feel like she has, yeah, she has such, um, she's so versatile. She can play so many different roles. Interesting. Okay. All right. Uh, critique, who do you choose? Um, I critique the puppet maker of the raccoon <laughs> only because it's just a slightly too unrealistic looking. I think that's the point, though. 
I know. I love yeah. that it's unrealistic looking, yeah, but I yeah. wish that that were just a slightly bit more realistic. I feel like its arms looks look a little boxy. Like <laughs> okay. its its body's a little boxy. <laughs> I wish it was just like a little bit more rounded. Okay, that's the only critique I would give the puppet. I love the fact that it's practical effects, though. Very. I think it's yeah, so yeah, yeah. funny. It is awesome. Man, I don't know if I really like my answer for this one. I chose Larkin Sapel, who's the cinematographer. The cinematography is so great. Yeah. But I mean there's just a there's just a couple where it's just like it's it's it does the trick, but it's not like anything to stand out. But then again, would you really want a film where every shot's just amazing? Probably not. I don't know. It's probably not a good answer, but that's what I came up with. Yeah. I think it's I think it's because like there's it felt like an indie movie at the beginning. And yeah, I see that. You know what I mean? And then later on, it turns into a masterpiece. But that's one but, thing I love about this movie is like it yeah. builds on itself. Yeah, that's true. Know? The characters build on themselves. The characters' relationships build on themselves. The concepts build on themselves. Like, yeah. I'll stick to my answer, though, because I don't. I, I, I love yeah. the puppet. The puppet's good. <laughs> I love the puppet. I just wish you were a little bit more circular. So close. Hence the critique. Just yeah. a few little critiques. Well, sweet. Thanks for playing. Um, You're welcome. Cool. All right. That officially ends everything related to that movie. Everything, everywhere, all at once on Showtime at the moment. Um, or you can render buy it. I bought it. It was worth it. Totally worth it. Go buy it. Right now. Go buy it. For sure. In select stores. I don't know. Next film is my turn. Hey, Big T, you're going to hate it. Probably. I could already <laughs> see you <laughs> oh, absolutely God. hating this film. Because it's there's nothing complex about it. There's, it's very simple, and it's just a classic. It's I it's, I say it sometimes as like, oh, it's a guilty pleasure movie, but I don't think it's really guilty pleasure. I think it's beautiful. I think it's awesome. It's my favorite rom-com. You've got mail. Oh. <laughs> Dude, I love this movie to an unreasonable degree. I, I've seen this movie so many times. There's so many small things that I just pick out of it that I just love, and it's so funny to me. I love a good rom-com. Yeah, so you've got mail. It's it's my favorite rom com, I think, easily. Have my you favorite. seen a lot of rom coms? I mean, there's a few. Ten Things I Hate About You is a great one. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can make that movie today, but I think it's awesome. But yeah, um, what else? What is How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days or something like that? That's a pretty good one. There's there's good ones out there, but this one. I like is, the old school '90s, early 2000s ones. Yeah, it. What's funny about you know? So this is Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Um, and they did another movie like maybe it's four years before that or something. I can't remember. Maybe Sleepless in Seattle. I think that's what it's called. No, that's Sandra Bullock. Oh, that's oh, what's the other one? I don't know. There's another one that they did Is together. It big? No, not big. That's someone else. Um, hold on. Oh, why is this loading? I don't know. <laughs> oh, just real quick because I'm back on. It's showing the trailer for everything everywhere all at once. Um. Shout out to the dog mom lady and using her dog as a weapon, which I thought was hilarious. Oh, I know, right? So funny. That was going to be one of my Hollywood you rathers. <laughs> oh, really? Would you rather use your dog as a weapon or, but I couldn't think of the alternative. Dude. I was trying to find a movie where they used dog as toilet paper, but I couldn't find one. So <laughs> that's funny. No, yeah, I I thought that that was hilarious. She was maybe that's what I could have I could have potentially fired her. I feel like anyone could have probably filled the shoe of that performance. Jenny Slate, she did a good so job, though. but there's so many other people that could have yeah, probably done the exact fine. same thing. You know what I mean? 
It is sleepless in Seattle. Really? I thought. Yeah, I you led me astray. Seattle was Sandra Bullock. Is she in it? I don't know. But the two, it's Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan as the duo again for the main love interest. I think. I haven't seen that movie. Is that though. the one where she falls into a coma? A recently widowed man's son calls a radio talk show in an attempt to find his father a partner. What? Oh, I've never seen this movie. Rosie O'Donnell. I've never seen this movie. While you were sleeping. I'm thinking of oh, while you were sleeping. That sounds creepy. Is that a rom com? <laughs> it was in the 90s or whenever they made it. I don't know <laughs> that about sounds now, so but... creepy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She falls into a coma and a guy convinces, or no, maybe he falls into a coma and Sandra Bullock convinces him that they're engaged. <laughs> That's messed up, dude. <laughs> or vice versa. <laughs> That's I don't so know. messed up. And in in all fairness, you've got males sort of like there's it's pretty gray as far as how yeah the love. we're not we're not we're not um having more like holding these movies to 2023 standards correct yeah especially rom coms this doesn't really fly today I don't think but hey this movie's <laughs> awesome I love it just hey if you're gonna watch it like yeah, I said earlier I'm about excited. context remember the context of when this movie came out okay yes and this was a beautiful movie when it came out. And if you see the beauty in it, I promise you'll have a good time. Maybe. I'll try well, not to I can't hate promise. on it too much. I'm sure you're going to have all sorts of things wrong <laughs> to say about it, but it's okay. I love it anyway. I'm excited. It's only PG, so you probably... Well, then again, back in the day, PG was a little more loose. So look up the uh, parental guide on IMDb to see what you are or not... Are not uh, I don't think there's anything bad in this movie. You're fine. Whatever. And it's it's streaming on Max at the time that I'm saying this. If you have any questions, anything that you want to talk about, oh, or if you want to put in your own uh, submissions for Fire Partner Critique, you can to LairsFilmPod at gmail.com. That episode will come out in the near future, uh, <laughs> November 6th. Which, that's another reason why, mainly I just really wanted to watch this film. <laughs> I've been having a hankery to watch it. I love it. I think it's masterful. Um, and then also, I think they celebrate um, Thanksgiving in the film as well. And so it's like, oh, it's, it's a perfect November theme. film. It's a perfect November film. <sighs> so get ready. No- November 6th. Big T. Biff, Biff Whiff. Thanks so much for... <laughs> for joining this conversation with me and all that i will we will see you all november 6th have a great time bye bye see you later